All right, gang, uh, we're going to continue on with our series in Amazing Grace, and um, I have to confess, I lied last week, okay, I said we were going to talk about the law this week, but that's a couple weeks down the road. Today, we're going to talk about amazing salvation, all right? Now, when I was younger in the Lord, right after I got saved, um, you know you know how it is once you get saved and, and God gets in you, uh, you kind of think you know everything <laughs> about everything and you understand how everything works. Well, we're going to clarify some things today because in salvation alone, it, it's a loaded term and everybody just thinks eternal life, right? But I, I knew when I was young in the Lord, there had to be more to salvation than just getting to heaven because I was 30 years old and I really worried about heaven at that time, even though there was a grip of people trying to shoot me, but it was okay. I knew I, my eternal life was there waiting, but I wasn't ready to go yet. So today, um, before we get started super quick, um, this coming up Wednesday, right, if table, right, 7 p.m. at Ladine's house, right here in Daybreak up the street. So all the ladies, if you're interested, you can, Ladine's back there with Noel and Pastor Michelle's over here. You can talk to any of the ladies. They'll give you directions, instructions, all that stuff. It's right up the street, literally, um, if, you're, if you live around here. Uh, you can go to the if table with the ladies. It's usually a pretty popular thing. Uh, and they get home late from that. So, amen. You know the way them girls are. We'll just leave that one alone. So if you brought a Bible today or if you want to keep up with the thing, with what we're doing, we're going to look in Ephesians chapter 1, Luke chapter 15, um, and we're going to talk about this salvation as part of grace. You have to understand amazing, how amazing salvation really is, because we accept Jesus and it's great. But it's, it's interesting to kind of go on the backside and see that there's really three different parts to salvation, which we're going to look at today, which is the past, the present, and the future. But in, in all honesty, you know, the present and the future are great, but I want to focus on the past, because this is where everybody gets messed up. And if you look in, in Romans chapter 10, verse 13, this is... Uh, if you're an uh, evangelist in here and you're familiar with the Romans road, this is the end of the road. And, uh, and Romans 10, 13 on your handout, if you need one, they're over there. If you need a book, they're over there, maybe. Um, help yourself, they're for you to keep. Romans 10, 13, whoever, any whoever's in here, <laughs> any whoever's, call on the name of the Lord, or whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved okay now that word saved in the greek is a word called sozo so we would we would write it s-o-z-o but there's actually in the greek language there's a little d sound in there so it's like so so okay and um if we were to define sozo or saved or salvation it would sound like this it's in your handout there it says to save to keep safe and sound, to rescue from danger or destruction, to save a suffering one from perishing. Come on, somebody. <laughs> to preserve one who is in danger of destruction, 
to deliver from the penalties of judgment, just go ahead and circle whichever one of those categories you want to fit in, because they're all in one. And then finally it says to make one whole spirit, soul, and body. Okay? So if that, if we're going to, I only have two points today on your handout there. The first one is I really want to dwell on this saved, on sozo for a few minutes, and then I want to explain in the end, you know, what do we do now? I mean, what's, what happens now? So um, your point number one there on your handout that we uh, just talked about, salvation is eternal. That's important. And it's eternal, past, present, and future. Okay? Salvation is eternal, past, present, and future. It's imperative that you understand this because if you don't, you will always strive to win favor with God. Always. Okay? Always. So here's a couple of scriptures to understand the eternalness of salvation. Romans 6.23, which is the middle of the Romans road. It says, for the wages or the pay of sin is death, but the gift or grace of God is eternal life in Jesus our Lord. Okay? 1 John 2.25, and this is the promise that he has promised us promised us eternal life. And First uh, John 5.13, one of my most favorite scriptures, these, these things I have written to you who believe, any believers, right, in the name of the Son of God that you may know, not hope, not pray and fast and believe God for, but that you know that you have eternal life, Okay? So it's imperative to know that since God is eternal, salvation, sozo, is eternal, all right? And, and when we talk about ter- eternal, right, I always thought it was talking about the future, right? But that's not necessarily the case because eternal is, is that God always existed. He does exist now, and he will always exist, and he existed before time began. Otherwise, there wouldn't be a story in Genesis talking about creation. You know, God was here, and he was here before that, and he will be after that. It it doesn't stop, okay? And even with Moses, when Moses was at the burning bush talking to God, it was interesting because he asked him, he said, well, who are you? And God said, I am that I am. And he said, go tell Pharaoh that I am who I am. And then he didn't, doesn't say this in, in the scripture, but I believe, you know, he was probably like thinking, and Pharaoh will have ten questions and tell him I've got an answer for him on all ten questions, right? So he reveals to him, he says, I am that I am. And in that statement, he's saying, I am eternal. I was, am here before, I am here now, and I will be here when you are dust as he is now, right? And, and he will be here forever. So let me talk about this phrase that if you've read Revelation, the Revelation of John at the end of the Bible, it says this phrase in there five times, and I want to uh, go through them, and it starts in, in uh, Revelation chapter 1, verse 4. 
This is John writing, and he says, Grace and peace to you, or grace to you, and peace from him. And now listen carefully. He says, who is, who was, and who is to come. Past, present, and future. He's talking about the eternal God himself, okay? And he gets that. John wrote, the, he got the revelation, then he wrote it, and he picked that up from a few verses later in verse 8. When Jesus shows up, first verses in red in all of Revelation, and he says the same thing. He says, I am the Alpha and the Omega. That's the organ. <laughs> the beginning and the end, says the Lord, who is, who was, and who is to come, the Almighty. Right? And he keeps going, and, and I, I think John, the, you know, the apostle heard that, and, you know, that he is, and he was, and he is to come. And he's like, that'll preach. That's a good message. That's a series right there. So he goes through this book, and we see this phrase repeated. And usually, if a phrase or something's repeated through the Word of God, even in one book, that, that's kind of important. Probably should notate that. Because he says in chapter 4, verse 8, And they do not rest day or night, talking about the 24 elders, the four living creatures, and angels everywhere. It's a crack up. You know, I always hear these people, they oh, you're a pastor. Well, when I get to heaven, I got some questions for God. Now I'm like, yeah, you're going to make it. You'll be all right. <laughs> but here's the thing. That always cracks me up because if you read what it says, that, that it says they do not rest day or night. I think when we get to heaven and we got all these big and all this stuff, I think there's going to be so much worship and just this vacuum of praise heading to the throne that it's just going to be, there isn't going to be anything on your mind but what everybody else is doing in worship and praise and glory and the presence of God and all this stuff taking place that it's going to be like, I don't care about anything but just being in the flow, right? And you see this through these scriptures. He says, and they do not rest day or night, saying, holy, 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 representing the Trinity, the Lord God Almighty, who was and is and is to come. Uh, Revelation eleven seventeen. we give thanks to you, O Lord God Almighty, the one who is, who was, and is to come. Revelation 16, 5. And I heard the angels of the water saying, You are righteous, O Lord, the one who is, the one who was, and who is to be. Hebrews chapter 13, verse 8 says Jesus is the same. Yesterday, today, and forever. Jesus is the author of eternal salvation. Right? And, and so I want to talk about this. The past the present, and the future tense of salvation, okay? So I, I got my friend here, the whiteboard. So hopefully, don't ever put lotion on your hands and then try to write with a pen, okay? So we got the past, right, and the present, and the future, future, okay? Tense, we're going to talk about this today. This is salvation, salvation, O-N, right? And if we're going to be complicated, we'll do the Greek, and we'll do so de zo like that, okay? So we're going to talk about salvation today. Now, if we use that verse, 
if Rach put that verse back up from, from Revelation, we can talk about, we can define the past, the present, and the future of salvation by saying that God was, or that we, we was, he is, and he is to be, okay? Looking at, at that verse we just read in Revelation, that uh, who was, who is, and is to come. So we could put is to, or to be, or is to come, right? So we're looking at the past, the present, and the future of salvation. And we could talk about ourselves in salvation, and, and we can write uh, have been, okay? And we are, and we're going to be, right? Future, talking about heaven. Okay, so we're going to be redeemed or uh, renewed our bodies, right? Now, if we talk about sickness in the, in the past, present, and future tense of salvation, we could say in the past that we've been redeemed from the penalty of sin. And in the present, we're redeemed from the power of sin, right? Are you with me? Does this make sense, or am I out of bounds here? Because if we're if we're going to talk about the power, we can we can um, when we get to heaven, we'll be removed from the presence. Pres, we are s. Oops. Yeah, there's that lotion again. Presence of sin. Okay, because there's no sin in heaven. It's fr a free zone, right? So if we're going to look at that. We can see the past, the present, and the future tense of salvation. Now, we're, we're saved by grace through faith, and we have all these things happening. So if we're going to look at, at our bodies on the earth, our past, our spirit, okay, has been renewed. From, uh, in Corinthians 5.17, says we're new. Our spirit has been renewed. Our soul in the present is being sanctified, right? We're working on something. We're trying to be better. We're, we're growing and, our, and, and we're expanding in, in the future. And we get to heaven, our bodies will be baby? No. Good God. Really, I'm college educated. Can't spell body. Body. Wait until we get to the hard words. Okay. So our bodies will be renewed when we get to heaven. We'll get a new body, and we were laughing about this at dinner the other night, that we'll be able to eat ice cream, we'll be slim, no pain, no suffering. You know, it won't take you 25 minutes to get up in the morning, right? Get that new body. We can just be worshiping and loving God, all right? So let's talk about this for a second because I don't want to just dismiss present and future tense of this but here's the thing if you don't understand the past you'll never get the present and the future does that make sense and let me tell you why because if you do understand the present it's going to be there's going to be if you do understand under we'll just do that there's going to be peace for the present, right? If, you, if you're walking this salvation out and you understand the past, that there's ED words that define that it's done, the work is 
finished in the past, you're going to have peace in the present, and you'll have faith for the future. Okay? That makes sense? How many of you can say, yes, that's me, because I can handle that? Now, if you don't understand, and here's the major problem in Christianity, okay? If you don't understand the past, the present, right now, there's going to be pressure to perform, right? They're going to be like, I, I don't know if I'm doing right. What you're doing, honestly, is you're trying to earn the favor of God in the present, can't do that. And then there's going to be fear for the future because I don't know if I'm doing it right. If you don't understand the past, there's pressure right now and there's fear in the future because you don't know because you, you don't know what happened in the past. Does that make sense? Now you're with me. So remember that our spirit has been renewed. Our soul, mind, will, and emotions are being worked on all the time. Right? Especially in a worship service like today where your hands are up and you're just worshiping God and, and all of a sudden these, you're like, I, I'm, I'm going to do it, God. <laughs> I'm going all in. And then when we get to heaven, our bodies will be renewed. But not just canceling out present and future, but we have to focus on the past. It's amazing salvation. is only amazing if you can understand, have peace in the present and faith for the future. And why is it past tense i want to show you these are bible words okay and i want to show you something here okay the bible explains it like this okay we'll put bible and then they have we have let's just start with this one save duh save duh right past tense you have been saved now in ephesians 1 we're going to read a bunch of scriptures in there and I want you to notice the tense of the words, okay? Next one that we talked about last week a little, justified, duh, 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 justified. Is that present tense or past tense? These are all Christian words that nobody knows what they mean, but justified means justified never sinned. You've been purchased out. And here's another one. Redeemed. Duh. Redeemed. Is that present tense or past tense? That's past. How about this one? This one is this is is this pretty much whole column right here. Sancti judge me on my spelling. Sanctified. Sanctified simply means that we are turning in to be more like Jesus every day. That's the way it, what it's supposed to mean. But I, we were talking a little bit about this a couple weeks ago, that if you're really saved, there's really a change because our body, God is a big God, and big change happens when there's a big God around. How about this one? Jesus used this one on the cross. Finished. Is it finished? Or do we have to get saved and reborn every single week? One more from last week, if you were here. Adopted. Adopted. Have you been adopted? Are you waiting to be adopted? Or is it finished? 
It's finished, right? It's adopted. One more. Big one. Doesn't end in ED, but forgiven. Forgiven. Are you forgiven or are you waiting to be forgiven? What tense is this in? Are you waiting to be forgiven or are you already forgiven? Right? And we see from our verse, whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. That's so, though, saved, duh. You either believe or you don't. Okay? It's important to know about that. Now, if you don't understand the past tense, you're in trouble. Right? So this is where we're going to focus today on these things. I gotta th I'm going to tell you something. If you don't catch it, if you don't catch this, and the past tense of all of this, you are always be striving, which is a criminal word in Christianity, to do something and earn the approval of God. If you're operating here, you already have the approval of God, so what are you doing? Okay, are you with me? Does that make sense for everyone? Here's a quote for you. It's in your notes, okay? Salvation is not a goal to be achieved. It's a gift to be received, right? You receive it. It's a gift. If you had that, we went through this a couple of weeks ago. If you're going to work for something, you're going to earn pay. If it's a gift, it's a gift and it's received, right? If you believe the past part of salvation, the other two take care of themselves because you're automatically operating in the to say it quite simply. <laughs> duh, right? Because you're saved, duh. You're justified, duh. You're redeemed, duh. You're finished, duh. You're adopted, duh. You're forgiven, uh, duh, duh. Okay? Does that make sense? Are you or not? Decide. Either walk in it or deny it. Either you believe it or you don't. And I'm going to prove to you right now in Ephesians chapter 1 how this looks, all right? Past tense. Look for the past tense. If you have a Bible and it looks like, like this, you get the past tense because you've circled, you've drawn, you've written, you've got notes, you've got stuff. You can't even read the words for crying out loud. Verse 3, okay? Here we go. Blessed be the God of our Father, our Lord Jesus Christ, right here, right out of the gate, who has, say it, has blessed us, has, is he going to, are we waiting, do we have to fast and pray, do we have to dress up, do we have to be nice to people, okay, has blessed us. With every spiritual blessing, and this refers to divine privileges and resources available. Holly, that was a good place to say amen right there. You, you missed it. Next one, I'll cue you, okay? Every, because it's coming. Every spiritual blessing, okay, again, that we are divine privileges and resources available now uh, in the heavenly places in Christ. And just as he chose us, is he going to choose us, or do we have to be good, do we have to put our hand up, do we have to show up at church, 
Do we have to pray and fast for 21 days? No, he has chose us, right? The work, the choosing is finished. And catch this pre, uh, pretense right here. Before the foundation of the world, you have been chosen, right? Now, we're going to stumble upon something here in a minute. But he says this, that we should be holy and without blame before him in love. How in the heck can you be holy and without blame? There's only one way, and that's by the blood of Jesus. That's why we claim that, okay? Moving on. Here comes the stumbling block every stinking time. Having predestined. You hear that word, and people are like, what? I'm not predestined. I don't qualify. Predestined simply means a predetermined destiny. And for you who believe, it's a stinking good one. Because God doesn't go through all of this to punish you. Okay? That, that um, having predestined us to that word adoption, adopt dead as sons. There's another place where it says we have gone from servants in the Old Testament to sons. How many of you know my sons get divine options that most of you probably don't? <laughs> but here's the thing. I have a high standard for my kids. And I want them because if I had a low standard for them, they would never be successful. But people look at the law that we're going to talk about in a couple of weeks and go, I can't do that. That's too high of a standard. It's, it's God. What do you think? His standard would be like, you know, bowling alley or something? I don't know. It's God. He got to have a high standard. Having predestined us to adoption as sons of Jesus Christ to himself, according to the good pleasure of his will. Now, there's some more tripping hazards there. The will. What's the will of God? Well, if you know the character and nature of God, you'll know his will, which is love, peace, take care of the people, yeah, joy, long-suffering, all those things, to the praise and the glory of his grace, which he made us. Is he going to make us? Here's a big one for a lot of you. He has made us accepted. Look at your neighbor and say, you're accepted. You're part of the family. You can't do enough wrong to not be accepted. Right? You may feel like it. You may look in the mirror and go, man, you've messed some stuff up. Well, congratulations, so have all of us, right? Some of us are really good at it, and others aren't so good. Michelle, she's not good at messing up. I'm excellent at messing up. I do it quite well, right? <laughs> A lot of giggling going on. Foundation of the world. This is excellent. Verse 11, all right? Here we go. Verse 11, in him also we have obtained inheritance, being predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will. Are we waiting for this? What if we miss church for the last two weeks? Are we out? Do we not qualify now? Maybe we sin this week. Maybe we cuss this week. Maybe we mess something up this week. Does this mean we don't qualify? Hardly. It's predestined according to the purpose, God's purpose. Verse 12, that we who first trusted in Christ should go to the praise of his glory. In him you also trusted after you heard the word of truth, the gospel 
of your salvation in whom also, can't read that word because it's all scribbled out, believed that you were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. If you believe this, this I, I like stopped on this verse and got hung up here for about three months one time because I could not fathom being sealed because I believed in Jesus that I'm sealed with the Holy Spirit and a promise. Do you understand that sealed is like having Guido with you all the time? It's divine protection and divine direction. We're going to teach a series in, in a couple of months, probably after Easter, about the Holy Spirit and what he does in your life. Because he's a comforter. He helps you. He will tell you of things to come. This is, you're sealed with this. This is kind of a good deal for some of us. Right? I don't know what you believe, but this is exciting for me. I kind of like it. Because I don't know about you, but I need this help. I need this sealing. I need this help in my life because I want to choke out most people I meet. Amen. And this ceiling helps me not to do that. Okay? And especially if you're driving on the freeway in Utah. <laughs> Thank God I'm sealed, Lord. Because if I die today or kill somebody else, I'm sealed. Right? And then he goes on here in verse 17 or verse 14 he says because we're sealed, who is the guarantee? Look at your neighbor and say, guarantee. Literally means deposit, down payment, or first installment. The Holy Spirit invested in us is God's title to possessing eternity forever. The Holy Spirit does that. That's kind of important. He is, uh, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until the redemption of the purchased possession. Is that is that we're waiting for that thing? Or has that already happened? It's already done to the praise of his glory. Do you understand how important the past part of salvation is? You don't have to try to please God with what you're doing. He's already pleased because you're part of the family. That's right, right. Are you with me? I mean, it's it's important. Now, here's a couple other scriptures that are going to mess with your head. Okay, uh, in Corinthians chapter six, First Corinthians chapter six. Now, let me let me just preface this by saying, out of the whole Bible, and we see a lot of judgment in the Old Testament. First Corinthians chapter six is probably the worst chapter in the whole Bible. Paul is letting them know that they're a hot mess. They, they have sinned, they have adultery. There's in, in before these verses, there's two verses before this. We won't take time to read them, but it spells out clearly who's in the kingdom and who's not. And it's ugly and it hurts if you read it. And just so you know, all of you, you're in the list. Congratulations, you made it. You are a sinner and, and, and that's that. So thanks for coming. I, I know you're feeling uplifted. So... 9 and 10 talk about just a mess of folks, right? But then there's verse 11. And listen to what he says. Listen for the tense, okay? He, he explains the sin. He lets them have it. Then he says this. And such were, is were past or present or future? Yeah. 
past, some of you, right? As were some of you in the list, but you were washed. Duh. Washed. Duh. Is that past, present, future? <laughs> washed. Remember what we said. But you were washed. But you were sanctified. Right there. But you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus by the Spirit of God. Is that verse past, present, and future? Or future? Which is it? So if you are walking in the past and you are claiming as a believer that this is where you fit into the lineage of God's life, do you have to strive to please God? No. It's finished. Duh. Duh. It's finished. Right? How about this familiar verse that's, that's in your notes there? Very familiar verse. We've all heard this verse before. It's, you were bought, you were purchased, we just read it, and washed. Therefore, you were bought at a price. Therefore, glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. Let that just hit your heart. Because when that hits your heart and you realize that I don't belong to me anymore. I'm not my own. God owns me. That makes you think a little bit. It's like, and, and it starts to change your thinking into, I don't have to be right all the time. I don't have to yell and scream all the time. I don't have to use my middle fingers on the freeway. I mean, there's a lot of things that begin to change when you decide that you are not your own anymore. Are you with me? Because it doesn't belong to you. You, if you're a believer, were purchased. Do you know what the payment for that purchase was? Jesus' life and his blood. That's kind of a high price. And, and it's like the video. It's like, no, 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 I can't accept that grace. Well, you know what? You have to. It's part of the deal. And this is why we stand in here with our hands up and tears running down our face because it's like, thank you, Jesus. I have been redeemed and saved and set free and healed and all these things. Let me ask you this question. How could God ever lose something that he purchased? How could God ever not want something that he sent his son to die for? That's a high price. I love my kids, but they're not dying for anybody. I'm not giving them up for nobody. Maybe I'll kill them, but <laughs> not for anybody. It's, there isn't that kind of price. But look at God's love for you, where he can say, I want to trade my son's life for your life. That's deep right there. Those are the kind of things that hit your heart and, and get in your mind, and you're like, God could never, I could, God could never toss me aside as too messed up or toss me aside and say, you're too big of a loser. Or, You've done too much. He could never do that, ever. It's past tense, washed, right? Justified, sanctified. 
Point number two, now that we've got the past figured out, that, that it was, have been, the penalty's been paid, our spirit's been renewed, now what do I do? Point number two, right? So what do I do now? In Luke 15, there's a story. It's, this is one of my favorites in the, in the whole Bible. I love this whole chapter. Because what do you do when you find something? Right? You're like, yes! We rejoice. We're happy. We're excited about it. Right? So let's, let's read in verse 4. He says this. Verse, uh, Luke 15, verse 4. He says, What man of you, having a hundred sheep, if he loses one of them, does not leave the 99 in the wilderness and go after the one which is lost until he found it. Sheep are relatively stupid animals. When sheep get lost, you know what they do? They lay down and don't move. They're, they just collapse. They can't function. Isn't it amazing that sometimes when we feel lost, we just collapse and can't function? Interesting, huh? But when he has found it, he lays it on his shoulders, rejoicing. Anytime the Bible says shoulders, it's a place of strength and a place of safety. And he puts the lost sheep, the dummy who just collapses, on the place of strength and safety. It's deep. Verse 6, and when he comes home... He calls together his friends and his neighbors, saying to them, Rejoice with me, for I have found my sheep which was lost. Woo-hoo, party! Right? And I say to you that likewise there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 just persons who have no need for repentance. How many of you know every time when you put your hand up and you said yes and you prayed that prayer, heaven went nuts? God went nuts. Because he's rejoicing because what was lost is found. And then he says, verse 8, Or what woman, having ten silver coins, if she loses one, does not light a lamp, sweep the house, and search carefully for it till she finds it? And when she has found it, she calls her friends and neighbors together, saying, Rejoice with me, for I have found it, the peace which I had lost. Likewise, I say to you, there is joy in the presence of angels of God over one sinner who repents. What's the first thing you do when you find what you've lost? You rejoice. And you stop looking for it. Right? Can you imagine that? It's like, what are you doing? I'm looking for my keys. Well, they're in your hand. Yeah, but I'm still looking for them. You know what? They are going to come and get you and take you someplace padded. Right? Let me flip this for you for a second. What if this, okay? If you've, if, if, you, then there's the dumb phrase, right? Where'd you find it? Last place I looked. Right? And then you found it, and you're like rejoicing. I'm happy. I found my keys. I can go to work and not be late. Right? How many of you know that when you are looking for something and you find it, you can rejoice and thank God? So here, what if we stopped rejoicing because we never stopped looking for what we have already found because we didn't understand this. Does that make sense? No. Didn't make sense to me and I said it. Here's, here's how we do this. What happens is that 
Christianity in general, people are looking for favor with God. So they are searching to always do the right thing. Okay? So if they're always searching to do the right thing, there is no finding the right thing, which means there's no rejoicing during worship. Most of us don't rejoice during worship. And, and let me tr trust me, worship is one of the most important disciplines in your whole life because it's rejoicing because you were found. Just like heaven erupts in, in, in rejoicing because you're saved, we stand in here and worship because we're saved and we've been found and we are pretty stinking happy about it because with this becomes all of this. This is easy when we have this. So here's what you have to know. This is what my burden was today. You have to understand the past so there's no fear and there's faith for the future. And you're walking it out because it's a simple thing. And it's easy to rejoice than try to strive to please God. Is it easier to stand up, put your hands up, and say, thank God? Or is it to, oh, I got to go do some work today to try to please God? It's easier to put your hands up, right? It makes it very clear in the Bible that if you believe, you receive and confess, and you're done. Done. Look at your neighbor and say, it's done. It's finished. Duh. I am justified. Duh. I am sanctified. Duh. I am washed. Duh. I am all those things. Leave it there. It is finished. That is a picture of amazing salvation and God's grace that gives us that salvation. Now, in Ephesians chapter 1, the Apostle Paul uses this word that's not on here, that I should add on here, but I don't want to. Write it in your notes. It's trusted. Big word. Big time. Took me years to trust dead God once I got saved because I knew that I was saved and I knew I was set free and I knew I was all these things. But the trust dead part, I struggled there. I didn't trust God with my, my life. I didn't trust God with our money. I didn't trust God with nothing. And that was a... a big tripping point for me. Why? I didn't get this. I didn't get this. Once I got the past part down that I am, am these things, I trust dead God. And that's the hardest part for everybody. Let's all stand together if you can. Here's the thing. A lot of times we see the trusted part is the tripping hazard because we don't act like we're saved because there is no trust. And, and what happens is we go off the rails and, and what happens is the, the life-giving message is on these pages. It goes in my eyes, out my mouth, in your ear. Okay? Are you with me? Here's the problem. Once it gets in your ear, it doesn't know which direction to go and it's your decision. Is it going to go here, or is it going to get stuck here? 
because if it's stuck here, there is no trusted until it gets here. And in Romans chapter 10, verse 9 and 10, it says you have to confess with your mouth and believe in your heart. The Lord Jesus, right? And with, one, with the heart, one believes unto righteousness and the mouth confession is made. You can confess all day. But if the belief isn't right here, you don't qualify. There is no duh. There is no trust dead. There is no none of the does, even the forgiven. Because it's heart belief, not head knowledge. You can know everything about the Bible. But if you don't have trust dead in your heart, sorry. And when you get trust dead in your heart, that's when life change happens. That's when lifestyle change happens. That's when all kinds of change happens. Because now it's heart, not head. Are you with me? Bow your heads, close your eyes. I just want to make sure today, right? And, and I know a lot of us are home family. We come in here all the time. But if there is no trust dead, you're still missing it. It's got to go from your head to your heart. So I, I need to ask you today, if you want a part of this amazing salvation, which is rocking amazing, and come with the spiritual benefits that go with the, the present and the future, it has to be trust dead. Right? Trust dead. So I want to ask you this morning, do you trust God? Are you prepared to give Him your whole life? I mean everything. Not just that secret place, little corner that, that you, you know, when you're home alone, God wants everything. He wants your mouth. He wants your mind. He wants your money. He wants your heart. He wants your life. That is trust dead. So if anybody wants to be in the family today, I just simply stick your hand up so I can see it. I see your hand. I see your hand. Hands all over the place. It's okay. You can be proud. Put your hand up and say, I trust God today. I am trusting Him all day long. Pray this with me. Say, Father God, in the name of Jesus. I trust you with my mind, with my body, with my spirit, with my family. I trust you. I believe you are the Son of God. You died for my sin. You redeemed me from the curse. I receive you now, and I trust you. In Jesus' name. That's it. It's that simple. Now you trust dead God. You put everything in. You're all in. Those like those poker guys. You put everything in there. And now you're just like, I am trusting you. Make that your confession. When hell lands in your life, I am trusting you, God. I would even go as far as to maybe... Get a list of trust dead scriptures that get inside your head and paste it on your heart. So when that happens, where it doesn't look like it, bam, you're retaliating with words out of your mouth. In the name of Jesus, I trust you. When, when my bank account dwindles down to negative zero, I trust you, Lord, because I'm a tither. I'm a giver. I sown money and I'm drawing on it right now. Be aggressive. It's okay. 
to pray a little aggressive. For those of you guys who came to our house during the fast, there were some of those nights where I was like, I hope our neighbors are okay. Because these people, you can tell people who have been through some stuff because they pray aggressive. And it's okay to let the devil know he's a loser. And it's okay to let the devil know that he has no trespassing in this area because I am sealed by the blood. You cannot trespass. You are in a place where you cannot be. Right? Now, one more invitation before we go quickly. All right? We never want you to leave here with, a, with, with anything. So we're going to ask you, if you want to pray today, have the prayer team come. And we're going to sing one last worship song just before we go. And if you want to pray with anybody, it's fine. Do not leave this place with a need. Right? Add it to these people. This is part of the game. This is part of being the family. You're in it forever. And this is part of trusting God, asking him. I say, God, I need help with this teenager. I want to choke him out. It's okay. I've prayed that prayer. It's all right. It's all right. Ask these people. Be bold and pray. We're going to play a worship song, and then that's it. We'll be done. All right? Amen?